Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. On this edition of the Taken a Walk series, we're in the historic Roxbury section of Boston. Lush history in the inner city, and I'm here to learn about this area from a new friend. His name is Topper Carew, an amazing resume as a film director and producer. He's got great stories to tell on the Taken a Walk series. He's also a principal investigator at the MIT lab. I'm so excited to learn about this area of Lower Roxbury and to be taking a walk with Topper Carew. Taking a walk with Buzz Knight. Well, Topper, it's so great to be taking a walk with you here today in Lower Roxbury. You know, for me, one of the great joys of the Taking a Walk series is meeting new friends, but also learning about areas that maybe I don't really uh, feel like I'm as educated about. So I'm looking forward to taking a walk with you. It's so nice to meet you. It's very nice to meet you, and thank you for taking this time. I'd like to start with 14 Windsor Street. That's the place of my original home. And as I said, it was the apartment building in which my grandmother uh, lived and where I lived with my mother and her uh, from, oh, from birth to about the fifth or sixth grade. Now, that's, that apartment building unto itself has an interesting story. Um, it was four stories and everybody knew everybody. I had even been at three fires in that apartment building. Uh, the most hilarious, if you can think of fire as hilarious, was a fire in the basement that had been started by a homeless person who at five o'clock every day used to cook pork chops. And you would smell the aroma of that food coming up through the hallway and we nicknamed him pork shot. Well, one day the frying pan caught on fire and it caught his mattress on fire and unfortunately pork shop got evicted. Now, 
this I could apartment. Smell, I could smell pork chops right now. You could smell pork right. chops. <laughs> you know, it's 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 it's. I love food, and so you know, everybody in that building loved food, and he obviously loved food as well. So, uh, directly across from 14 Windsor, which is now no longer there, uh, it's uh, a street over from the Melnia Cass Boulevard which uh, was originally an urban renewal project. So the whole neighborhood just got kind of wiped out and it's no longer there. But I drive through it all the time. Sometimes I walk through it because it has so many memories for me. Now, ironically, it is right across from the what was once the Robert Good Shaw neighborhood house. And the irony is, I am presently making a film about the restoration of the Robert Good Shaw Memorial, which is downtown and across from the State House. And what people should know is that's one of the 10 most popular and most visited monuments in the United States. Wow. And so it's been restored. And the history of that is uh, the Robert Good Shaw Brigade was the first black brigade to fight in the Civil War. These were freedmen and uh, formerly enslaved men who came together under the aegis of Robert Good Shaw, who was white and an and aristocrat, a, a Boston aristocrat, and they built a brigade of the 54th Regiment, and they participated in the uh, Civil War struggle. That neighborhood house is where I went to uh, uh, nursery school. Wow. It's where I went to an after-school program, and it is the place where I, in fact, um, did my one and only stage appearance as Tiny Tim in The Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, I think from what, that point one on, and only. Come the, on, one and only. We're on stage now. Yeah, we're on stage <laughs> now. But I will tell you that uh, when I was a little boy, you know, and uh, you know, my mother had me when she was eighteen, and my father got killed in the war. So, you know, my mother would be out and about, and I would ask my grandmother if I could come and get in her bed with her, and. Uh, it is the it is the birthplace Windsor Street is the birthplace of my writing interest, my writing connectivity, my storytelling, which has been the spine of my entire professional career. And this is how it used to work. I would say, Nana, can I come and get in bed with you? And my grandmother had the biggest, fluffiest sheets, the the, the softest pillows the great covers and I would get in bed with her and look across at the nursery school at the Shaw house and I would say Nana and I would tell her a story and she would just go mm-hmm <laughs> now she was asleep she was here with me and I'd say and then and she'd say mm-hmm and so that was her greatest response but that was the birth of my storytelling so now let's go down to the corner where Shamit and uh, Windsor interse intersect Right there was the 12th Baptist Church. That is the church where Dr. Martin Luther King launched his ministerial career. It was pastored by Reverend Hester, 
and uh, but that's where he learned to preach. Wow. Right at the right at the he was at Boston University as a divinity student, and but he would come here to do his initial pastoral work, and that church is now up on uh, Warren Street, but the original Twelfth Baptist Church was right there. Unbelievable. Okay, wow. now. At the, oh, by the way, I should mention that uh, uh, Reverend Michael Haynes, who was uh, this great monument uh, to him built in Roxbury, was the director of uh, the Robert Goode Shaw House. And Mr. Shelbourne, who was the first black graduate, graduate of Dartmouth College, was the athletic director. So there's right there at that corner, there's an abundance of history. In fact, right next door to um, 14 Windsor at 16 were the Guscotts. And Ken Guscott uh, built the uh, tallest skyscraper in his day in downtown Boston. So that hub, that little hub right there, was a very rich contributor to Boston and American history. So, Topper, I have a question about your yes. grandmother. Yeah. And this was an appropriate time to stop and ask it. Yeah. Did she ultimately know that you would continue to have this career as a storyteller and, uh, or, or not? Uh, and what would she be thinking now? Well, first of all, none of us knew, <laughs> including me. <laughs> but my grandmother would be very proud of me. And I can tell you uh, that... The apartment was the launch pad for so many tributaries of my family. And it would go like this. So my mother and I slept in one room. She was in another room. When my aunt, uncle, and their two children came, they slept in one room. And, oh, and three children. The girls slept with my grandmother, and I slept in the den. By that time, my mother had moved on. She had remarried. It was a launch pad. It was, you know, it became... And what was so interesting about life in Lower Roxbury was you never had to lock your door. And there was one bathroom with seven or eight people, and it never felt too small. Okay? <laughs> think about that now. Yeah, think about that. It never felt too small. Yeah. And in Lower Roxbury... Everybody knew everybody. everybody. If I was in another part of Lower Roxbury, someone would throw up a window and say, Topper, does your mother know you're over here? (laughs) And I'd better say yes, because if I said no, the answer would be, you go home right now. (laughs) Okay. Now, right right on the corner of of, uh, Windsor and Shaman, on one corner was a variety store that was owned by a... Chinese entrepreneur named Shorty. Now, what would we do? We would go to that store, we would buy penny candy, you'd get a little brown bag, you'd have a dime, and you could almost fill that entire bag. <laughs> there was a Coke uh, like machine, it was like an ice box with a block of ice when Coca Cola's used to come in glass bottles, and you could get one for a nickel. You could get a pickle for a nickel, or you could get a hard shell crab for a nickel. Pickle for a nickel. I pickle, like the way pickle, that rolls. Pickle for a nickel. <laughs> Sounds like a song. It's it, it it is a song. I mean, you know, it was a delight to be a young kid with a dime to go into a store yeah. where a dime could buy you, you know, a, a whole delight, joy, and a little brown bag. Yeah. 
you know? Amazing. Okay, so, on the opposite corner, or I should say this, that uh, it, it became to be a store owned by Mr. Williams, who continued that tradition, but he also had another very powerful tradition. That's where you would put in your policy numbers, you know, and play the numbers. Oh. So sometimes I used to have to go down there with a dime wrapped in a little piece of paper with with the number on it. You know, the numbers were based on the last three digits of the treasury balance on that day, and they always appeared on the back of the record American, and you could win money. So it was it was basically gambling. But you call it the policy numbers. Yeah, that's what they that's what they, yeah, yeah. That's the numbers. It was they in that cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah? Yeah. And so now on the opposite corner Is that was it really in the cartoon or was that like like, you know, well, was that just a tale? It's, it's, that where it's, I grew up, yeah. which is in Connecticut, yeah. I remember reading the like the New York papers and my mother telling me exactly the fact that look at that cartoon. I think it was called Ching Chong or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's the number in there to play. Oh, yeah. So that was Oh, true. yeah. It was the numbers, man. Okay. It's a big deal. Wow. It's a big deal. See, now, we are under... No duress, thinking there's some crime we committed back then. No, this is plus. This, no, th- and we're we're worldwide with this podcast. Oh yeah. Cover, so oh, everybody now knows. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> this was this was pre-lottery. That's right. This was the lottery. That's right. You know, and you could play for a dime. Yep. You could All play right, for so a nickel. Go back in, you could play tr- for a penny. Go back into playing the the, the number. As you well, walk so in. I would take it down. I would take. Love I would. This. My grandmother would wrap it up. A coin with a, with a, on a piece of paper. The number was written on the piece of paper, and I'd run down to the store and say, "Okay, this is my grandmother's." <laughs> Love it. Right? Yep. Right. Okay. So on the opposite corner of Windsor and Shamit, right across from the church, was Dolly's Market. Now Dolly Bolt had the meat market, and Dolly looked like a Buddha. He wore a white jacket. He wore a white apron. And everybody knew Dolly, and people used to hang out in front of the store, and and it was. Have you? He lived in the Lenox Street projects, which just, which are a bit of a ways down, uh, Shaman Avenue, which was, by the way, um, the place where GI families, middle class, aspiring to be middle class, would come back from the war. We're living, and we used to go to parties in there. I mean, we used to play in there, and it was very which, respectable. Which war? I'm sorry, the Second There's, World yeah, War. Yeah, that's okay. Second that's World thought, War. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now continuing down Shamit Ave, uh, we're getting to Hammond and Shamit. On the corner of Hammond and Shamit was Ma Dixon's. It was a soul food home cooking restaurant. You know, with secondhand furniture, but with firsthand food. Oh. I mean, you, you could get all the stuff. And she was like this legendary neighborhood cook. And you would go in there and you would get traditional Southern food. Oh, man. You know, and I mean, it was just absolutely delicious. And then uh, as we continue to walk and look, uh, about three doors down from our Dixon's was John's Chop Suey. Now, John's was, you know, at the basement level. You go in, you couldn't sit, you just order. What could you get? You could get a 10 cent bag of french fries in a brown bag. You could get a 15 cent 
You could get a 20 cent. You could go up in nickel increments all the way to a dollar. And then you could get a chow mein sandwich or a chop suey sandwich on a hamburger bun for a dime. So with a 10 cent bag of french fries, with a 10 cent chow mein sandwich, and with a Coca-Cola, after you finish that, you would feel like you didn't need to eat for a week. <laughs> so <laughs> Now, by the way, is it... Would you be in agreement that there are no longer great French fries anymore? That it's just that's a lost art. They're very hard to find. Oh. The best French fry place I've found is in Portland, Maine, where they double cook them in duck fat, Ooh. and it's called duck fat. Oh. And they are unbelievable. And when I first started going there, it was just a sore front. Now it's a sidewalk restaurant because people know those french fries those french fries are legendary i have not found a french fry in boston to match it and i'm a french fry connoisseur topper i'm sensing a spin-off on the taking a walk series where we go off and eat at restaurants and oh and partake oh, anyway man. sorry to take I'm you man, off because i'm a i'm a foodie man oh. okay so now let's uh continue our walk and let's go up Hammond Street which is the street parallel to Windsor uh, we're coming to the Asa Gray School that's where I went to kindergarten and first grade uh, my teachers Miss Kramer and Miss Day you know and uh, right across from the school was another penny store place so after school you'd go in and if you may remember you could buy these strips of paper that had these like little dots on. Them. Sure. And you know, you, the for, dots. you go in there for yeah, for two cents, you get a strip of those dots, <laughs> and you, you kind of bite them off of the paper. Yeah. And you know, and you probably remember, you know, there was a there was a there were Hunt's potato chips, Wise potato chips, and this was another store where you could buy pickles. I'm coming. I'm going to my knees, Topper. When you're mentioning the chips. Oh, man. You're getting me on the chips. On the chips. <laughs> the chips were fabulous. You know, <laughs> the chip, these potato chips today are nothing like those potato chips oh, that we had. You're man. speaking my language. You know sir. what I mean? Oh, They're nothing like it. Oh, I dropped to my knees, literally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so as we continue down Hammond Street, uh, on past the Asa Gray School, we come to Tremont Street. On the corner of Tremont and Hammond is a restaurant called Slade's. Now, what's so interesting about Lower Roxbury when I was growing up, on Tremont Street we had parades, uh, we had uh, uh, three pharmacies, we had uh, a dentist, we had two law firms, but we also had Slade's, which was a, a, a chicken specialty place where when you look in the window you see the chefs working uh, on the rotisserie the chefs are dressed in white chef uniforms and they have red hats on those tall red hats and people would come from the suburbs because it was such a divine restaurant experience and and there was no fear of of white suburbanites coming to Slade's there was absolutely no fear and then when you in when you go further down uh, Tremont Street, um, there was a Stells, which was a nightclub, a fine nightclub. And now I know about those places when I was young because 
I used to hang out with my mother, and I would, I would sit on the bar stool, and I would get a cup of tea, and she would get a highball in both of those places. Yeah. So I, I came to know people who worked in those places. And then if you go a little farther down, and you get to uh, Mass and uh, Columbus, there was a nightclub called the Hi-Hat. Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn, uh, uh, Oscar Peterson, they all used to come there and perform. Did you go and there with your mother? I never, see I was too young because yeah. then you had to, then you had to be 21 to yeah, go in. Yeah, yeah, So I couldn't go in. Wow. But if you continue down Hammond Street, down Davenport, you come to the Columbus Ballpark, which is a place that all of the sports teams used to play, the local sports teams. Yep. And, but it was also a place where I would go with my paternal grandmother and we would pick dandelion greens wow. and we would take them home to her house and we would cook them and eat them like they were a delicacy. But if you continued past the park and you go over the bridge that goes over the train tracks, you're now suddenly on the other side of the tracks. And so my maternal grandmother from Windsor Street the thought that there was a life for me beyond Windsor Street. Yep. So when it came time to go to the fourth grade, because my paternal grandparents lived near an area called Brigham Circle, they felt that that would be a better school situation for me. So myself and two of my cousins were the first black students in the school called the Farragut which was a working class white school. And I can tell you that in the fifth grade and the sixth grade, I got black eyes because wow. we integrated that school. Yeah. But the other part of that experience, that over the bridge experience, and that's why that bridge is so important yeah. to me, that's right off of uh, Columbus Ave and goes across the tracks right behind the New England Conservatory of Music because my grandmother took me to the Pops they used to have a black night at the Pops because in that day and time, the Pops was still segregated. So they had a black night, and there's a picture of me in an old Ebony magazine, which is floating around the family somewhere, where I'm a little boy reaching up to hold my grandmother's hand. I have on a white short pants suit and white shoes and white knee socks, and it says, Topra attends the Black Night of the Pops with his grandmother. So she was beginning to open up experiences for me. Yeah. And then uh, she would take me to Brigham's. There was a Brigham's on Huntington Avenue. And that was like a treat. You're now getting the, you know, yeah. ice cream delicacy from a place called Brigham's. And then uh, later in life, when I was a student at Boston Technical High School, when I used to play hooky, from high school, I would go to the Uptown Theater. And I should have known that what I didn't know, and what I didn't know, that is I would eventually end up in the film and television business as a writer. But I used to love the movies. And in and, and high school, I only really loved two subjects, track and lunch. <laughs> and and there, was, there was nobody telling me that there was a bigger world out there until... A, a man named John O'Brien, who came to Boston Technical as a guidance counselor, the first guidance counselor told me, 
also he was named O'Brien. The black one was named O'Brien. The first one told me when I said I wanted to go to college and wanted to go to Harvard, he said, I think you'd be better off going to the Navy Yard and be a sheet metal worker. Oh, my God. Okay? And so my grandfather had always said to me, you're going to be somebody. But what are you going to be? And he taught me so much. You know, we read Popular Mechanics, Popular Electronics. We read the Encyclopedia. He wouldn't allow me to buy toys. We had to make them. And so I had it. And he made me memorize the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling. And so when this guidance counselor, the initial one, said to me, go to the Navy Yard, I'm thinking, uh-uh, I got another drum that I'm marching to. So as God would have it, three weeks later, John O'Brien appeared. He said to me, what do you want to do? I want to go to college. I want to go to Harvard. He said, well, I don't know your grades, but I can get you in the other H, the black Harvard, Howard University. And he saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. He said, you're a mystery to me. You're testing at the top of this test high school. You know, but your grades don't prove it. I said, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Nobody's saying to me, do this, do that. You can do this, or you can be more than you can be. And I, to this day, mentor his son. Oh, that's beautiful. I mentor his son. And how old I, is his son? His, his son... I'm not sure how old Richard is, but he runs an institute at Northeastern named after his father. So I spend a fair amount of time with him, oh, and I was in a position to uh, give John O'Brien, when he became the first elected uh, school board chairman, I gave his first fundraiser. I love it. You know, so that's, that's the circle. circle. Yeah. That's the circle. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, if you give, you should receive. You know, and if you receive, you should give. So, you know, um, so anyway, so I, I love Lower Roxbury. I think of myself as a son of Roxbury. You know, I think of that. And that's a very important thing for, for, for it was a very important thing for my grandmother. You know, the pr principal motivation for me graduating from college was, was not the achievement unto itself but to take my grandmothers, both of them, my aunt and my mother in a limousine to Yale when I graduated. So they could see that. Yes. Because I was the first one on my maternal grandmother's side to go to college, to graduate from college. It was common experience for um, my father's family. And I should mention one last thing that I forget, forgot to mention. The Shaw House, the Robert Goose Shaw House, yep. is also where my mother and father met. Oh. And that's where they started dating. And uh, so that also becomes a very significant place in my life. And so this whole area that I've shared with you, I mean, I could go on. But, uh, you know, I have in a myriad of ways managed to give back to that. And the, the biggest thing that... I've taken away from my Roxbury experience is that uh, love, family, friends, affirmation, uh, uh, cultural competency, and expectation are the things that helped me become who I am. I, uh, I, I'm stunned by your storytelling, first of all. I love your storytelling. 
and the essence of the Taking a Walk series is about storytelling, oh, yeah, really, man. and about a particular location. You've had so many projects in your career. You're still active mm-hmm. with your current project mm-hmm. that you talked about earlier. Are there any particular projects that are your favorites, or are they all like like children well, and they're all favorites? Well, uh, uh, let me say this to you. First of all, I am uh, pleased that you would think of me as a person who you might invite into your experience. I appreciate that. Okay. I will talk about a project that is my most favorite project at the moment because, you know, um, you know how it is being an artist. After you finish the painting, you lean it up against the wall, you know, and you move on. And, you know, I don't like to spend too much time dwelling on work that I've done in the past, even though, you know, there are people who say, oh, you did that. But here's the thing that I'm most excited about. I have a project that I'm sending up to the International Space Station, and it's called This Little Light of Mine. Okay, what is This Little Light of Mine? It will be a payload, and in that payload, which is going to the International Space Station, will be a film that I'm making about children singing This Little Light of Mine. This Little Light of Mine is a song that many people know and the essence of what it will be will include messages of love, peace and joy at a time in the world when we need that right now because the world in our nation has darkened okay so this film will be broadcast back to earth There will be a website, and on that website, this little light of mine website, there will be a screen that will allow you to track where the International Space Station is at any particular moment in time, so you can go outside of your house, look up, and see it. There will be that light in the sky. It appears as the third brightest star in the sky. Wow. Okay? And then you'll come back. You'll go to your phone, you'll go to your pad, or you will go to your computer, and you will be be able to see in real time the song being broadcast back to Earth as children sing it. It will circle the globe for a, a, a month and a half to two months. Oh, that's and, outstanding. And putting this message, sending this message back to Earth. This is, is, is totally philanthropic. It is not designed to make money. Is this affiliated with your MIT work? This is me. That's you. This okay. is me. Oh, it's that. a result of of my MIT work. I was I was I was uh, the Chinese wanted me to come to China to design a Mars colony, uh, and so uh, during the the, the tr- and I didn't because China is too far. That trip is 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 punishing, man. Oh yeah. You know I've gone. I've, you know, I've had the best way you could possibly travel, but it's just too long. And if I were a younger man, I might have, you know, weathered the trips. But at the same time, I don't want to give all those secrets to the, the, the Chinese community. You know, they I, I got some issues with their yes. authoritarianism. <laughs> yes. And so, the even though my best friend in life has been Chinese, I got an issue with the way they handle things. So, uh, as a result of that, I met somebody who sends up. 
uh, payloads. Wow. And I mentioned it to him. He said, yeah, I would love that. So that's how it happened. That's great. Yeah, so it's going to go up. It's scheduled right now to go up on October 1st on an Elon Musk rocket. Oh, God. And Thank so, you. so the engineers yeah. in Texas are working with me. The engineers in D.C. are working with me. And uh, we, we can make this all happen. What a, what a great story. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, thank you for sharing a delightful uh, walk here in uh, Lower Roxbury. Um, I'm going to uh, coin a phrase here by a new friend of mine that I know is a phrase. I have to let all of this conversation marinate. Oh, man. <laughs> let me tell you about the word marination in my life. That is That was the one of the wisdoms that my maternal grandmother laid on me. And she would say to me whenever there was a decision that was deep, meaningful, or whatever, she would always say, well, let it marinate. Love it. I, bl- I believe in that word. I'm glad you brought that oh, up. Well, That's a powerful word. Topper Carruth, thank you for taking a walk. I'm honored. Hey, listen, man. As I said, I am... I wanted to do this because this is the first time I've been able to tell this story about this aspect of my life. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. God bless. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.